Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to our Hope Story Circle. It's so lovely to see all of you today. And welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm delighted to see all of you here. With me co-facilitating is Liz Gannon Graydon. She is also on the board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace and Schools lead. And our special guest today is Marita Frijan. And we're so delighted to see you here, Marita. Can you come off mute for just a moment? Can you come off mute for just a moment? Hello. Hi there. So Good nice to see all of you. So nice to see you. So, so Marita is a co-founder of CRR Global, which is Center for Right Relationship. And she, with her partner, Faith Fuller, developed a wonderful training program that I was fortunate enough to be a part of for Organization and Relationship Systems Coaching, also known as ORSC. I highly recommend checking out CRR Global to see what that's all about. She's also the author of one book that's out and the other one that's coming out in a week, right, Marita? Yes. Wonderful. And that second one is about what? Uh, Systems-inspired leadership. Leadership doesn't only live with the leader, it lives with the entire team or organization. So it's all ways of applying ORSC and some of our thought uh, principles to leadership. Wonderful. I look forward to that. That's going to be fun to read. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to um, hand it over to Yelena, and we'll start with the meditation immediately following which, Marita, you're welcome to tell your story. Yelena? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, perhaps, and hello to all of you that are listening to this as a podcast. I just want to welcome you all to this moment and invite you to arrive to this moment with awareness. So taking time to find a posture that will bring you with that moment of awareness, the present, to arrive here and now. And perhaps that's becoming aware of your body, seated, your feet in contact with earth, sensation of your breath, perhaps. Just allowing yourself for a moment to be a space through which experiences pass sounds, thoughts, body sensations, feelings. Maybe noticing how your breath is coming in out your body.
I invite you to recall a moment in which something good expressed itself through you. Something good that expressed itself through you. Perhaps that's a moment in which you greeted others with a genuine smile and warmth. Or perhaps that's a time when you held the door for another. Or maybe you recently offered a words of appreciation. You gave an affectionate hug. Just pause to acknowledge that special moment extending goodwill, warmth, and kindness. What thoughts, feelings, or body sensations are you noticing as you recall that moment? quiet ourselves enough and get in touch with our goodness. Can sense there is a powerful force there, benevolence. What would it be like to empower fully this benevolence within you and let that goodness direct your choices in your life. So as we close this practice, I invite you to bring that as you listen to following story. Thank you all for practicing. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Yelena. Marita, you may unmute yourself and tell us your story. Thank you, and Yelena, thank you so much for that. Um, you had me in the, the land of essence for a while there. So I couldn't find my unmute button. Um, thank you for being uh, here with me, us, and thank you for the invitation. What I want to do, uh, and I just want to get my time piece. Okay. Um, I am going to take you on a little bit of a journey into my past, and then we're going to fast forward to the last year or two. 
Um, I was born in South Africa in the semi-desert in a land that was called the Karoo. To my father and parents um, on a farm that was a merino sheep farm that we uh, shared the wool and that's what uh, was sold to make clothing. Um, we have, we had laborers on the farm. We had uh, women in the kitchen. All the people that were working with and for us were people of color. South Africa called coloreds and there's a distinction between colored and black and it's a cultural piece. I grew up playing with the kids of uh, the women in the kitchen, the families, sat around every night um, in a conversation about what happened to the day with all of them in a circle, sometimes out under the stars in the summer and other times in the kitchen. My father and mother always treated them in the same way that I saw them treat the friends who come visiting us. So that's the land that I grew up in. And it was during the apartheid era. My father was the leader in the community. He was a deacon in the church. He sat on many boards, but he was known. And I only started realizing some of that as I you know, turned seven, eight, nine, started going to school. Uh, he was known in our community by some of the people behind the scenes as uh, somebody that in South Africa they refer to as a kaffir booty, which translates into the current language of the app is a nigger lover. None of that meant a whole lot to me at the time. My father died when I was very young. He died when I was 12. And I remember, uh, I can't remember much of the funeral. I was just too, couldn't, didn't get it. Um, but I remember as, now remember we're living on that farm that is about 30 miles out of the little town, Hope Town, that I went to school. Um, so we have to drive in to get to the town and the funeral was happening in town. And I remember, uh, what I do remember of the funeral is that as we were walking out, one of the family members said, looked up and looked out and said, look at that in Afrikaans. And when I looked, there was around the grave, uh, the cemetery had a, a, a fence to it. Now remember it's the era of apartheid, uh, colored blacks and whites, not in the same space. So nobody of color was allowed into that cemetery. When I looked up, there was a circle of people of color standing around the edge of the cemetery with the men hats off and hands on their hearts. At the time, didn't know what to make of it, uh, but it impacted me hugely. Everything I think that I have achieved, strived for and tried to do, including the training that Terry just talked about, was born from that history of being in South Africa during the apartheid era and the shock as I was growing older, moving into school and moving into different places where we no longer sat with people of color uh, in a conversation or in a prayer meeting or in a church. And I was, I couldn't understand it. 
an image of what had happened around the cemetery of my father's funeral kept being there. At some stage, as I was growing older and I was telling my then ex-husband, now ex-husband, uh, Faith, my partner, about that event, they all said, are you sure that happened? Because that's kind of strange. And I said, yeah, I'm sure. Told Carrie and them yesterday as well that about 15 years ago uh, on a visit to South Africa, one of my uncles had pulled together you know, all the old fashioned uh, videos uh, of what was taken during my childhood and around our lives. And there was the shot of the circle of people of color around the cemetery fence uh, in honor of my father. And it, suddenly, it started making sense to me around that systemic principle and the um, principle of non-locality, that if something changes in one place, it's already different somewhere else. Somehow, what my father did on the farm and how he and my mother worked and collaborated with our laborers got word and moved out. The people that were standing around the cemetery fence have not been to our farm. They've not worked with and for us. They were different people. But the goodness, the impact that happened in one place, one way or the other got somewhere else. It was those things and what happened in South Africa during apartheid that shaped everything that I have done and strive to do. And I can tell you about achievements. Uh, Terry mentioned the one thing about uh, Orsk. Um, other, the big things that I have tried to do in my life to make right some of what is happening around us. I'm not gonna go there with you today. Where I wanna go with you today is over the last couple of years, and certainly COVID uh, amplified that. I did a lot of research around a lot of different things because I was still struggling with that piece. Um, and there's really interesting research that you can go and look at um, that was done by, um, it's actually happening out of the University of Utah, but there's a wonderful uh, YouTube uh, by Susan Pink uh, about what is it that creates longevity. I'm not gonna go into deep uh, waters with you with that, but what was fascinating is that I have, I can't remember 18 or 19 factors that they tested over decades now uh, from blue zone to other areas. And what they found is that the top, the, the top uh, reason or behavior or environment for longevity is not health, is not your significant other, it's, um, it's further down the line. Because what they see is that significant other, the people that you can call in the middle of the night when you've had a, uh, an emergency, uh, they, they hold those people as frenemies. But what came through was that the top factor that exists in the blue zone and in other areas where there is a high and longevity uh, rising and, and statistic, is what they call social construct. It is the interaction that you have on the street when you wave to somebody that walked their dog, when you talk to somebody behind the counter in a, in a supermarket. It's the, the fleeting contact with other human beings that you may or may never see again. And that got my attention. 
So putting all of that together with what has happened in my youth and then COVID that was isolating uh, all of us uh, and really beginning to look in the third phase of my life at what are the differences that we can make on the street every day, the small things that we can do that can create a sense of belonging, that can create compassion, that can create that thing that is social connection and social construct. So when we moved to Oregon four years ago, uh, the whole scene changed for me because we went, I was not in the office anymore every day. I was in an environment where I only knew a handful of people. So this thing started playing with me. Okay, where do I go for my social construct? So I started playing around with um, different people in different environments where just going into the store, there was something that had me really look at who is behind me in the line, who's in front of me when we check out, what happens between that person and the, and the cashier, um, what's happening with the guy that is restocking the shelves. I literally began to look to see what is there in these things and these behaviors that get my attention. And that's where I started the journey of what might sound eccentric, um, but it was a life-giving journey for me. And I'm gonna share some of those with you. Uh, and I want for us to sit today in the knowing that marches and protests and all the other things that we do, significant events are really, really important. And there is something today in your locus of control where you can make a difference with a small interaction. Uh, one of the first ones I had was when I was uh, in a supermarket and be, uh, behind me in the line was um, an elderly I, it, uh, Asian uh, background uh, woman who was struggling a little bit. And in her cart, she had a young boy that turns out to be, I made up and uh, that it was her grandson. Uh, in a cart sat this young boy, he must have been five or six. Uh, they didn't have a baby basket for him, but he was sitting on the seat and with his legs through the front of the basket. So it looked like he was something that got picked up in the store was my mind was going with things. So, um, and he was sitting there having fun and looking around. And the cashier uh, was somebody that I already had some of my uh, social construct interactions with. So, uh, we looked at one another and I looked at the kid at the back and I said to the cashier, are you sure that's a very expensive uh, human being that's sitting in that car? Are you sure uh, that's, that that's ac actually anywhere that anybody can acquire it? And he said, no, no, that's way too valuable. And I started looking at the kid and he started smiling and the grandma was sort of, and then she started playing along and she said, yeah, but I think I've got an extended loan. So, and we go, oh, well, that's really, I mean, you are so lucky. There is nobody else on the planet that can have. So we had this whole thing going and the kid was all over it. And I checked out and walked out. Uh, my car was parked very closely to the, to the exit of the, and I, as I was loading my stuff, there was a little voice behind me and I looked around and there was the kid waving 
And the uh, Asian grandma looked at me and said, nobody has done this with me ever. And there was a little tear and she turned around and walked away. That's what I'm talking, I will never see her again. But something happened between us that was life-giving for me, for the cashier, for the kid. It changes things. Those are the pieces um, that I want for you to look and see where is that place where there's a moment of kindness that can bring lightness, that we have locus of control over. There are many things we can change. There are many things that the people that we are looking at cannot change, but this we can. I'm gonna close out with the last story that was um, very touching. Uh, again, standing in a supermarket, uh, this time behind somebody, and it was a husband and wife uh, a pair that was standing in front of us and they had what looked like uh, cakes and flowers and it was birthday kind of things. But both of them, the husband could barely talk. The wife was cheerful but going, and the cashier, who now is somebody that I've had several interactions with as well, the cashier looked at them and said, are you okay? The wife said, no, it's my son's birthday today and he died four months ago. And the cashier said, I'm so sorry. You're not paying for the flowers, we'll give it. And I started interacting with them a little bit as well. And there was this conversation, the father now was looked relief a little bit, but he couldn't talk. The mom was opening and saying more things about her son. He was actually killed in one of the shootings that happened in uh, one of the bars. Um, and as we were finishing, as she was finishing up, I said to her, one thing from some of the work that we do that I want to share with you is that in consensus reality, this place where we stand at the moment can touch the cart and can see one another. In consensus reality, he is no longer with you. In dreaming, in that essence place where we all are one, he will never leave you. And she looked up at me and now she was crying and she said, that I will never forget and walked out. These are the things, these are the places that I want to invite you, that I want for us to look, where is it? And here's the unzip moment of telling you the truth. Yes, it is about other, but I can tell you in the days that I feel most stressed because of what's happening out there or because of what's happening in my own life or my family's life or death or whatever, those days I get in my car and I drive out because it's life-giving for me as well. And I think that's the feeding that we can do to create a very different society where this thing that we call coaching or leadership or whatever you wanna call it actually is an event that needs to happen on the street as much as it needs to happen in the bigger events. And that's my invitation for you today. Um, and that's how the circle of people of color around the graveyard that my father was buried shaped and influenced my life. There are places like that for you too. And that's my invitation. Look there and look at what's possible and where you can touch somebody today.
Thank you. Oh, thank you, Marita. That was beautiful. So we're going to go into breakout rooms so that you can share your thoughts with one another. And Marita framed the inquiry beautifully. It's like, what, where is it in your daily movement and life that you can have that intention and that impact on others in small ways that are not small? They end up not being small. So where is it that you have done it or that you might be able to try it and take that invitation? So again, in our breakout and room. Now, if, if I'm interrupting you, yes. know that it will look different for you. You will do it in different ways. But I'm talking about a stylistically, personality-wise, how I do it. Uh, it will feel and look different. Just, as, just an eye contact will do it as well. Yeah, thank you. So again, for those of you who have not joined us before, we're going to go into breakout rooms. My goal is to make them rooms of three people. You will get a little invitation on your screen, accept the invitation to join the room. If I'm trying to even up the numbers, I might send you a second invitation. So please take it, it's a good one. But our agreements in the breakout rooms are to speak from your heart, to listen from your heart, to say just enough so everyone has an opportunity to share. And to focus on the inquiry, focus on the story that we're talking about today. It's, it's a time to do that. So I'm going to pause the recording and then we'll come back together again after the breakout rooms and hear what people have to share. Well, welcome back everyone. I hope nobody was yanked back too abruptly, um, <laughs> but it's lovely to see all of you back again. So we had a nice talk in our room and who would like to share what came up for you in the in the breakout relating to Marita's story and the inquiry about how you might have an impact in small ways that are not so small? Anyone who'd like to share, you feel free to unmute yourself and speak. Actually, I'm Krishna. I was enjoying while listening everybody and I did not share anything that I can make enjoy to others. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for joining us. <laughs> <Krishna. laughs> yeah. I love your laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Annie, would you like to share? Yes, I, I was with Jana and uh, it's the first time here tonight with the Peace Alliance and I felt like I'd been dropped into a room of gold. It was oh. just, I, I can remember very little of the detail, but all I do remember is just a very easy flow. Um, yeah, which uh, was very, very lovely. And I'm very grateful, Jana, for being with you. So thank you and for the invitation tonight. I didn't even know I was going to take up. <laughs> but I will certainly do it again. Yeah. Wonderful. So and thank you, Marita, for starting us off. It was a beautiful welcome. story that you shared. I'm quite familiar with me, that kind of sharing things, yeah, all over the place. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Penny. Penny, I just have to ask, where are you in the world? I'm in the north of England. Ah. Yeah. UK. Yeah. Well, welcome. We're delighted to have you join us. Thank you, and I'll join again. Good, good. <laughs> Who else good. would like to share? Anyone? Anything bubbling up? 
Well, I was in a group with Christine and Melody, and it was really nice. I really love this, the small group discussions, um, because we do get connected. And it was Melody who shared uh, about the serenity prayer, mm. about uh, accepting the things we cannot change and changing the things we can and realizing that we have agency over just this small thing, no matter how small it is, and no matter how I was sharing how introverted I used to be and, and how uh, ashamed of myself I used to be. But practice of, of a very small effort leads to another effort later on. And then it gradually expands and grows. So um, it's, it's possible. And, and I recall what Dennis Kucinich said about we're not victims of the world we see, but the way we see the world. The only piece that I want to add to that, David, thank you so much, is um, I hold that there actually is no small act of kindness. Mm. All of them are huge in impact. Mm. Thank you, mm. David. Would anyone else like to share? Mm. Yeah, I'd like to. During our, yeah, during our talk, it was interesting because what came up was the subject matter of the um, cities of compassion that uh, has broken off of the charter of compassion. And the question out there kind of came up of, would it be different if you were in a city of compassion with uh, your, a reaction that you might have with a person than, uh, you know, not being in a city of compassion. In other words, is the training, is the thinking and the mm. feeling and everything different in those cities? Mm. Mm. It's a wonderful thought to explore, isn't it? Mm. There's a movie in that. <laughs> there are lots of stories to be told why we're here. Anyone else like to share? I can share. Um, <laughs> and I shared this with my uh, small group, but it, it, it arose when um, one of the combination of um, hearing you speak, Marita, as well as someone in the small group sharing their story. What I, I find so important about um, the the not just the uh, doing of these acts and moments, um, but the the sharing of them and hearing about them. I find it um, it just holds up a mirror to storytelling itself, because with the this particular theme of uh, finding the moments in our lives, uh, you know to how are we interacting with strangers? And if we were to intentionally um, approach every stranger with a mindset of we, we have the ability to, to lift them in some way or raise them in some way, 
uh, or bring bring joy or compassion. It, it, I find amazing that, or, and so important that when we hear another person share their own uh, moment, and maybe this is just me, so speak to my experience, but I, I think it would be near impossible um, to hear someone share theirs and not on some level be slightly more inspired to do so yourself. Mm. And I think that there's something about these types of stories because you see how um, easeful it can be. It really doesn't, it truly just takes intention. Um, so yeah, I appreciate just the, the sharing itself of it because I think that begins to foster um, and cultivate the ability for us to go out into the world and do exactly that. Wonderful. Thank you, Dave. Well, Marita, is there, do you have any closing comments you'd like to make before we start to bring the call to a close? Uh, yes, I just want to pick up from David. Uh, Dave, thank you for uh, providing me an access point to a closing. Um, it is the storytelling. It is the sharing. Uh, we talk about that for us as well. And we need to remember that the sharing is not only us telling our stories, it's the people that we interact with and the impact on them that they go away to share as well. That's the seed theory, is that when the stories begin to share, um, it, goes, it could go a very far distance. Um, and it has the same impact than the life-giving impact that we just had as we shared our own stories. So know that when you share a story, somebody else that has been in that interaction is also busy sharing that story. I've seen that over and over and over again. So it does spread, it does spread. Thank you, thank you, Marita. Jenna, you're raising your pleasure. hand. Thank you. you have just, Jenna, do you have a very quick share? <laughs> Marita, can you share that photograph somehow with us of your Father's funeral? Oh, do you have the photograph of your of the I don't. I am busy trying to because the, um, the person that showed it to me was um, at the time, uh, I mean, actually that put it together. Um, I, didn't, I, I didn't even think of taking it. Um, and I'm now busy tracking because um, that uncle has already passed as well. And I'm trying to find out where it's so. Uh, somebody else um, asked me that uh, the other day as well. And I really am trying to track it because if I can find it, just imagine how that can spread something. No, I don't. And it's my loss. Yeah. Well, maybe you will one day. All right. Somebody I'm, will. I'm going to share a few links in the chat before we close. The Peace Alliance is your host for the Hope Story Circles. The Peace Alliance website is peacealliance.org. And our mission is to empower civic action for a culture of peace. Also, these calls are recorded on our Peace On podcasts, and the link is there. It can be reached through the website as well, peacealliance.org, Peace On. And there's also a link about the Hope Story Circles on the website, just a page about them. You can read more about them. We have a couple of major initiatives going. We have the Blueprint for Peace, which has been going for over a year now, and there's a single link there. If you click on that link, it will go to all of your state and federal elected officials in the United States, if you're in the United States, 
and let them know that you support policy related to peace building and violence reduction. Um, also, there's a link about the Department of Peacebuilding legislation, which is HR 1111, which we are actively lobbying and advocating for and working on a big push to increase our co-sponsors going forward in the next couple of years. So pay attention to that. We are also a, non, a nonprofit, a small nonprofit, appreciate donations of any size. Our monthly donors are peace partners that give us sustainable income. That's our, that's our lifeblood. So that would be greatly appreciated. And the calendar of events, peacealliance.org slash calendar, where you can find the information about our hope story circles, about our monthly calls, our empathy calls. We have lots of things going on and you're welcome to join us. We invite all of the participation we can get. So with that, I'll hand it off to Liz to bring us to a close. Again, I really, Marita, I wanna thank you so much for your story because it has, it's had me kind of meditating since last night when we spoke. And as always, I wanna thank Terry and Yelena for holding the space. And um, Marita, you, you reminded me of three stories I wanna share, one from each of my parents and then one for how I tried to carry it through. And some of you have been regulars know that my dad was a, uh, a college professor and an activist in the 60s. And uh, I was trying oh. to think of that moment when um, that Marita talked about with her father. And my moment, I remember my father taking me, he taught in a college in Manhattan and he was taking me into the city with him to go to work because he was taking me to an event in the evening. And we got into Penn Station, which is really this crossroads of humanity. And it was really scary for a nine-year-old standing on the platform. So my father waited for everyone to pass and we were walking and we passed a homeless man. And my father let go of my hand for one minute that whole time. And he walked over to the man to give him some money. But what I remember so clearly is he took the man, he touched the man, right? A lot of times we not only don't look at homeless people, we definitely don't touch. He took both of his hands in his hands as he gave him some money. And he said, here you go, friend. And the man looked at my father and, and his eyes welled up and he said, why did you call me friend? And he said, because you are my friend. And I went forward, like, really, I don't remember what he taught in his college class that day. <laughs> I have no clear memories. Um, and then another thing I taught, because my father had this big vision for changing society, and my mother was an emergency room nurse. And she and my dad used to jokingly fight. They didn't really fight, right? Because my mother said, you, can only, you, you can't change society. You can only affect the person right next to you. Um, and I remember, like, she was a nurse and a working mom at a time when a lot of moms weren't. And so a lot of people would come to my house, right? They're little things, a cut of this. But at one point, one of the girls in the neighborhood as a teenager got pregnant and her parents kicked her out. And she came to our house because she knew that that was a safe place to come. And she didn't stay long. My parents knew helped work things out and she was eventually got home. But I really remembered that about the, you know, the taking in and when my mom passed, um, she worked a three to 11 shift. And so she would get home late and she was a night owl. And when my mom passed a while ago, one of the neighbors said she always felt safe coming home from a date at night because there was always a light on at the Gannon home. And I thought it was both kind of literal and metaphoric, right? Like people knew that our, our house was a place you could come to. And the one that I want to talk to Marita about how I carried it on, some of you have been on, know that pre-COVID, right, for seven years, every week, I threw a tea party 
in Bryant Park, which is really, it's a block away from Times Square. It's the crossroads of humanity. And I was thinking of Bonnie talking about, uh, um, was it Bonnie who said cities of compassion? And I don't know if everyone would think of New York as a city of compassion. Um, but I would, I had, in honor of my father, right, who believed in creating beloved community and Martin Luther King was his idol. I started holding this tea party and I put my grandmother's teacups down and I poured tea and I'd bake and everyone was welcome. And there was one story, Marita, that you reminded me of. And I was there weekly for seven years and we've held the space virtually and we're now kind of moving back into in-person post COVID. But we were sitting there one day and a woman passed, came up to the table and I always invite whoever comes up and stops and look at us. And I said to her, I said, would you like to join us? And she said, I really would. And I poured her a cup of tea and she said, I was sitting across the park and I was having a really bad day. And the security guard said, walk over to the other side of the park and find the woman who's serving tea because she will be kind to you. And I never forgot that, right? And she became a regular who would come kind of weekly. And so Marita, I thank you again, right? For that, just reminding us how those simple kindnesses matter. And so combination of what Marita said and Dave said to, to close out is that that's really such a simple meditation, right? That we, because of the witness of everyone on here and Marita's beautiful story to just go through the next couple of weeks until we meet again just intentionally connecting with the, just the one kind thought, the one kind message. Um, and I look forward to seeing you all and, and hearing and seeing how this radiates out. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Liz. Feel free to come off mute and thank say goodbye, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thanks, everybody. Bye, thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Penny. It's nice Bye. to meet you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.